Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. My name is Mike Bird. And I'm Lisa Pekosek. And today we're going to talk about how interviewing is like dating. Lisa, tell me about this topic. Why is it so important? I think for a lot of people, there's a stigma around interviewing. So when you think about the topic of interviews, immediately people clam up, they become less like themselves. And in a lot of ways, the same happens with dating. But in many ways as well, I think that dating is a lot more common and a lot more um, easy to talk about. So you don't necessarily get that same nervous feeling when you talk about going on a date. So I think that there's a lot of similarities and a lot of ways that we can use both uh, to our advantage to really become pros at both. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about socially, I can't think of too many conversations I've had about interviews that I've had in my professional world with my friends, but I've for sure talked to my friends about dates that I've had throughout my life. So yeah, I hear you in terms of sort of the normalizing of this experience, interviewing versus dating. If you have some strengths already in terms of being able to go out and meet people for the first time and put yourself forward, yeah, create a first impression and then build from there. I think that's a mindset that could be very helpful for someone who is maybe struggling for sure in, in, in their career and trying to figure out how they can in- interview better. Um, exactly. What, what else makes these two things so similar? For me, it comes down to three main components. Um, I think that the first one is kind of the preparation piece or building your confidence going mm-hmm. into it. I think that the second piece is around connection. And I think that the third piece comes with dealing with rejection. Okay. Can you, can you unpack those three? Yeah. So uh, the preparation or confidence piece, um, a lot of it comes down to being confident with what you have to offer. So whether you're going into a first date or whether you're going into a first interview, having that confidence and knowing that you're, you're there to provide value to somebody, whether that's in a romantic way or whether that's in a workplace, I think that that's really valuable. Um, Part of that also comes with not putting the other person on a pedestal. You might go into a date feeling like the person that you're seeing is better looking or Mm -hmm. more successful than Mm -hmm. you. And you might go into an interview with a CEO or a VP. And in both of those situations, you are less like yourself. Um, you might get extra nervous or just worry more about what you're saying. So not putting that, those people on a pedestal really helps you with your confidence levels as well. Just to say, you know, that person is human as well. And the reason that they're there is because they feel like you have value. So totally, no, absolutely. I think being able to sort of strip away the, the titles and, and remove, yeah, like whatever preconceived notion that you've got of that other person can help you just to sort of like dress down the situation a little bit, relax and be more your authentic self in that moment. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And the other person can usually tell too. Oh, if you're, if you're not being authentic or genuine, they immediately get that feeling and it might be less, you're, you're not making that connection with them. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. And to your third point, what would you say? So, uh, the third point, is really dealing with rejection. So whether you're in dating or whether you're in an interview, you're probably going to go on more than one. Um, The first person that you meet in dating is probably not going to be the person that you marry. And the first interview that you go on is probably not going to be the job that you're going to get. So understanding that there is a component of rejection that comes with both of these things, um, 
not taking it personally and then really staying in that mindset of this wasn't the right situation and I know that the right thing is still out there for me. Yeah, for sure. Like going on a date with someone that doesn't lead to a long-term relationship or doesn't lead to the kind of social situation that you were hoping for can still be a very beneficial experience in terms of you being able to then go ahead the next time that you meet someone and you're that much more confident in the process of putting yourself in front of them and Mm -hmm. having conversations and talking about yourself in a way that's like, obviously not, I don't think anyone wants to try and brag their way to success in either two of these scenarios, but to be able to confidently explain to someone who you are, what you believe in, all of those things can help create the presentation that ultimately builds trust. Because I think at the end of the day, the central objective in both dating and interviewing is can you build trust with the person on the other side of the table, the person who's going to hire you or say yes to you as a partner, they have to believe that that you can be that person. And so, yeah, to your point earlier about, right, if you're inauthentic, right, I think even in terms of like desperation, right, if someone is, someone walks up to you and they're, you know, a salesperson in a store and there's some level of desperation in their approach, right, they've just come onto your radar and you can like, you can like smell it. It's, yeah. it's like unmistakable that there's something there that they're after. And it's not really about you. It's, it's really about them. And it's, it's hard to shed that energy and, and come across as yourself. So I think the more that you can, um, kind of rep out or create, um, experience around either dating or interviewing, the more likely you are to kind of get rid of that, that stink of desperation that you might've been carrying around so that you can actually start to smell cleanly in front of the people you're at. (laughs) If, if I can use that as my analogy here. No, that's great. And I think too, that there's also a distinction between desperation and enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about that. I think that a lot of times people will actually hold back. I know that a lot of my clients, when they go into interviews, they tell me that they become very, very professional and they almost strip away the personality piece of it. So they actually get rid of the enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. So they're trying so hard not to sound desperate that they also miss out on that piece that's showing that they're interested. And I think that the same can come with dating. Um, But particularly in the interviewing stage, enthusiasm makes you more attractive because if you're enthusiastic about the product or the company, that company thinks, okay, this person really wants to be here and really wants to be a part of this organization, as opposed to the desperation, which you were talking about, where it's, I need this job. I don't need this company. I mm-hmm. need this particular job. And it feels very surface level. Yep, totally. And shifting the, the focus away from me more toward we and being able to have a conversation with the person on the other side of the table that's about, you know, what are, what are they curious to know? What, what do they want filled? What's their need? What's the desire that they want to experience? Yeah. How can you take the, the interview process and start to redirect it a little bit back toward the person who is potentially going to hire you and say, I understand that you probably have, you know, these issues in your business or in your company on your team. Tell me a little bit more about that 
and maybe there's a way that I think I have a skill set here that, that might be able to be a good fit given the needs that you're trying to to accommodate uh, and improve. So yeah, shifting that that focus away from you back onto the person that you're with now. Is there anything else that that you kind of think about as as you reflect on your either your dating or your interviewing experiences where you were able to really uh, effectively kind of redirect the interview so that it became more of a two-way conversation? Definitely. I think that in both situations, so I personally have been on probably over a hundred interviews in my life and I've probably been on close to 50 dates in my life. So Mm. lots of experience there. Um, But the best interviews and the best dates that I've ever been on are the ones where I've been really present one where you're, you're focusing, like you said, on the person, um, you're curious, you're very, very curious about what the other person is saying, but also thinking about how do I fit into this? Um, I think that that's, that's probably the biggest thing. And then also just keeping it light, not letting it get too serious Mm -hmm. in both scenarios, because when somebody's interviewing, they're often interviewing for a full day. They might have five or six interviews in a day. And so having all these different conversations with people, they remember the ones where they were able to laugh or they were able to share a funny story. Um, you know, Even interviewers like talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. So if there's a way that you can turn the questions around, um, and this is true in dating as well, if they're asking you about something and you can really make it conversational, it really changes the tone as opposed to just, you know, uh, they ask you a question, you respond. They ask you a question, you respond. Yeah. It really changes the dynamic. Yeah, it's not so robotic, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think you have to kind of create a certain degree of, and this is a Seth Godin um, idea, and I'm a big fan of his, the idea of remarkability and, and being a purple cow and not like a physical purple cow, <laughs> the concept of if you were to drive by a field and all of the cows in the field are black and white, let's just say, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden among that group, you saw a cow that was purple mm-hmm. and that's the cow that you're going to remember as you look out onto that group. Otherwise it's a pretty undistinguishable group. You can't really figure out, you know, which, which cow is better than the next cow. But yeah. if one cow was purple, you would remember that cow. Yeah. Now I'm not saying go out and think of yourself as a cow as you interview and date people, (laughs) probably not very helpful, (laughs) but what can you do to be a little bit more remarkable than the rest of the herd? Mm -hmm. Yes. It comes from obviously being yourself, but then yeah. Can you bring out some part of your personality that, that makes the moment memorable with the person you're with? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with interviewing as well, you're going to be spending a lot of time with the person. So especially if it's your direct hiring manager, you're going to be working with this person on a regular basis. You want to make sure that you have that connection with them as well, whether that's, you know, a laugh or that remarkability that they're able to pull out of you to say, Mm -hmm. I'm going to enjoy spending time with this person. I was listening to a podcast episode from Amy Porterfield just the other day and she was kind of going behind the scenes in her business. Her business is called, um, well, it's amyporterfield.com and online marketing made easy as her podcast. And it teaches people about 
the marketing and she was talking about her team and how, how they hire people to bring on to their team. And she says, by the time you're in that final interview with someone, uh, at that point they've gone through a gauntlet of other people on her team. They've mm-hmm. been interviewed by others and they have the skills. They have the ability to be part of the organization and contribute that last interview is all about is the personal connection going to be there? And she says, you know, would would I want to go have a glass of wine with this person? Would I be, am I ready to listen to this person day in and day out? Mm. Is there something about the way that they communicate that really throws me off? Is it going to be something that kind of is a drain on my energy if, you know, if there's not that kind of synergy between boss and employee that, that you're mentioning? Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's that for her is the final hurdle. Yeah. If you can, if you can create that personal connection with the person you're going to be working with or reporting to, that's probably what's going to put you over the top and get you hired among the other candidates who also typically speaking, have the skills to get it done. Exactly. Yeah. How about you? Have you seen any similarities in your interviews or dating life? I think that for me, I've, um, the best dates I've ever been on and the best interviews I've ever been in, been in, um, have come from moments where I felt really, really at ease. Like there was no pressure. Mm. Like I really wasn't all that attached to the idea of, of necessarily getting the job. I was really just in the moment and happy to be there. I think the, the best interview experience I've ever had in my life, um, happened about five years ago. I was interviewing for, uh, a head coach, head football coaching position at a SEGEP where I had just, uh, and a SEGEP, by the way, for our listeners who might not know what the Quebec education system looks like, that's basically the francophone Quebec equivalent of like a junior college. Uh, so interviewing for this SEGEP's football program, uh, I had just coached a football season for them, and our, our head coach had been let go at the end of the season, so they turned to a hiring process. I was interviewed as an internal candidate and really um, I was getting toward the end of my contract with them. I wasn't, you know, I was, I would have been very happy had I had an opportunity to stay as part of the organization for another season or another year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also just really okay with, you know, if it does, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to move on and do something else. I'm going to go somewhere else and, and find an opportunity elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, um, so the interview was, was a 90 minute interview. It was in front of five people and it was in French, which mm-hmm. is not my first language. So it's, um, you would think that there's like a whole bunch of pressure in that, but really, I mean, it was, I wish I could have been a little bit more interactive because, and that probably didn't come out because of the language barrier in that moment, mm-hmm. but it was an amazing moment where I was really able to kind of express myself and my beliefs on a variety of different topics that were related and relevant to the organization and just really felt like I put my best foot forward. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get hired. They ended up going with somebody else that was a better fit. I, there's no question in my mind that that guy was a better fit than I would have been um, at the time for that job. Mm-hmm. But just going through and, and walking out being like, yeah, like I have no regrets in what I just did. Um, and ultimately I did go from that into an interview in another organization. And uh, I was brought onto the the coaching staff of another SEGEP and it, it led to probably what, what ended up being an even better role in, in, in that organization than had I stayed and been hired by those five guys that 
that day. So mm. yeah, I mean the, the dealing with rejection part when they say, no, it's not you, it's going to be someone else. We're going in a different direction. It never has to be crippling. It never has to be the end of your, you know, your aspirations to have, to have this job or mm-hmm. to have a role that, that you really are reaching for. Um, but yeah, just the whole attitude of like, I'm here to, to be my best self, my mm-hmm. authentic best self and whatever happens happens. And it's the same thing has happened in, in my dating life. Like I might, my first date with my girlfriend now of two and a half years almost is, was a day where I just sort of said, you know, let's go and see what happens. You know, let's go meet this person and see what she's like. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, there's, there are more people out there that I will meet. Um, and ultimately it, it did work out and yeah, in the same way that an interview can be, um, multi-process like dating is that same thing, right? Your, yeah. your first interview, your first date can lead to a second interview or a second date. And eventually there's a decision made on that person in terms of like, yes, is this going to be the long-term fit or solution mm-hmm. to the problem that I'm trying to, to solve? Um, so, I mean, just taking that whole experience one day at a time, one date at a time mm-hmm. was what I think allowed me to really actually find the success that I found in this relationship. So yeah, just not putting too much pressure on yourself to hit it a home run the first time that you get in front of someone. Yeah. It's been a huge mindset shift for me that has clearly worked in my personal life. (laughs) How do you think that people can do that? How can people get into that mindset? I think probably one of the, the messages that I would start to tell myself if I was struggling with, uh, nerves or, feeling, you know, like I couldn't be my authentic self in that interview, uh, would be around, um, just believing that this is not the only opportunity you're going to have in your life. Mm -hmm. And that this is, this is one day, one moment, one experience that will add on to the previous experiences that you've, you've gone through. Um, it's practice for the next one. If -hmm. it doesn't turn out to be your, your day or you're not the right fit. Um, or it just ends up being a terrible interview. I know that there's, there are a lot of people who, who suffer from basically performance anxiety, whether it's in an interview or on a date or when they're writing a test. But Mm -hmm. I think your belief of there will be a solution if this doesn't go my way yeah. And not saying, oh, my, my whole future is hinging on this one encounter. I yeah. think that immediately starts to take some of the pressure off of you and, and the moment. And then, yeah, just you see it as a way of building um, the experience of of being yourself in these tough situations. Yeah. Right? So you, you end up training yourself through, you know, repetition mainly. Yeah to just be more and more comfortable with conditions that were once difficult or now they're now normal to you. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that aspect of learning as well and continuing to get better as you continue along. Cause I think that one of my worst interviews ever was probably mm-hmm. the biggest learning experience. Yeah. Do you want to tell me more about that? Tell our dear listeners more about your worst interview experience ever. Yeah. So I, I very distinctly remember, I mean, 
I don't remember every interview that I've ever been in, but this is one that definitely stands out for me. Um, it was my first ever professional interview. So I was interviewing for a bank. Um, it was for a position that was definitely a little bit over my head and I had prepped, but I don't think I had prepped enough. And I, because I had never experienced it before, I wasn't really sure what to expect. So I went into it. I felt pretty good. Uh, within the first couple of minutes, I realized that I had no idea what the interviewer was talking about. I was definitely not qualified for the job and, um, yeah, that the conversation didn't flow well. It's one of those feelings that you feel in the pit of your stomach that as soon as somebody starts asking you questions and you're like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work out. Um, so it ended up being a full 45 minute interview. And I remember leaving and standing outside of the building and thinking, I never want to be unprepared like that again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it taught me a lot about number one, looking more into the job, doing more research, not only on the company that I'm looking at, but at the job in general to, to better understand all of the different qualifications and how they play into the bigger picture. Um, and also doing research on the interviewer. I think that mm. that was probably the first experience that I had where I wish that I had known who it was that I was interviewing with, because that would have given me a little bit more of an idea of how to prepare. So you've reminded me of, yeah, another dating experience that really didn't go all that well. And the way that it helped me to sort of understand, again, as you go through the process and, and develop some repetition in dating or interviewing, I think you, you can learn quite quickly what it is you don't want to sign yourself up for. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. So using the interview as a way to actually measure, you know, is this employer someone who has values that are aligned with mine yeah is is this person who's hiring me are they going to treat me like a human being or like a garbage can yeah and um the the date that i'm thinking of might have lasted like i don't even know if it lasted a, a single hour i mean that's a pretty short <laughs> first date um certainly by my standards and just it was really obvious for both of us that this was just not what either one of us was looking for yeah. And I, you know, I, we both walked away from it. I think I might've said, see you around, like, you know, and gave that look of like, probably not, but yeah. <laughs> I think we both kind of smiled and walked away. So it's not like, it's not like a bad dating experience or a bad interview it has to be, uh, has to create permanent damage or anything like that. No. You can walk away and just sort of say, you know what, that wasn't for me. Yeah. And I think that can be another thing that can really bring you off of that edge of like, I must be perfect because that message for anyone in virtually any field in any endeavor causes so many more problems than creates solutions. So mm -hmm. that's, um, you've reminded me of that. Um, okay. I think there's one other element to me that, that kind of, I connect interviewing and dating together on, on this one. And that's, if you look at sort of marketing in general and the mm. concept of the buyer's journey, right? The buyer's journey kind of has three phases, like an awareness phase, a consideration phase, and then a decision phase. And in the awareness phase, it's sort of like the moment of, you know, you're, you're first made known, you come up on the radar of someone else, you submit a resume, 
maybe you introduce yourself or you are introduced to somebody who works for a company um, mm -hmm. that you might be interested in working for, you swipe right on Tinder and match with someone, <laughs> right? That's how my relationship started. Um, Me too, actually. Amazing. Totally worked out. Hilarious. Yes. Uh, the, the consideration phase, which is sort of like you're now engaged in exploring in depth, you know, what this option that you might purchase or buy or pursue is. And then however long that takes, it can be, you know, hours to days to months, um, leads you to a decision stage where you're, you're finally signing off and saying like, yes, I'm committed to this. Mm -hmm. I'm committed to this person, uh, whether it's in an interview or on dating and sort of just, you know, being, being comfortable with the natural process of things. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't have to, you're not going to bring your interviewer or the person you're dating to the decision phase in the first 30 minutes that you've met them. <laughs> and if you have like, I would run personally <laughs> in both the professional and the personal context we're referring to realizing that there is just a natural progression of someone becoming aware of who you are. Maybe there's a nurturing of that, um, initial interaction. And, you know, we know, we know people who started off as, as friends and then became intimate partners. There are people that might meet, you know, at a networking event and they cross paths or maybe they exchange messages two or three times in a year. And that eventually leads to, you know, an interview when an opportunity comes up where that person's a good fit. Mm -hmm. And then the consideration phase starts to, to evolve from there. But yeah, just sort of realizing that take it one step at a time. Yeah. Uh, I think that can be really helpful for people in both of these situations. If they're struggling to kind of calm themselves in an interview. Embrace that unknown. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You also made me think of another aspect of it. And it was Mel Robbins that was speaking about this, that really stuck, struck a chord with me is that, um, nerves and excitement are triggered in the same region of your brain. Yeah, totally. So when you're nervous about something, if you think of it as excitement in both scenarios, mm -hmm. you're more likely to let it be normal. Hmm. Interesting. I like that. Um, and how, how can that excitement sort of be focused or directed towards improving performance in both those situations? I think that nerves for most people, we tell ourselves that we don't want to be nervous. Mm -hmm. So if you're going into an interview or a date, you say, you know, don't be nervous. Um, it, it'll really throw me off my game. But if you look at it in a different way and you say, these feelings are actually excitement. And then you accept that feeling that will allow you to move into the next phase without, uh, criticizing yourself for feeling that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of reinterpreting the sort of physiological experience of you know, being in front of somebody else for the first time or being in a situation where you feel like you have to be at your best and just sort of saying, instead of, of looking at this as creating nervous energy, can it create 
something that's more positive, more optimistic, more yeah. exciting. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. I, yeah. That makes total sense. Big mindset shift there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just how, how you look at a date or how you look at the process of interviewing can go so far to determining how well the interview actually goes, how well that first date actually plays out. Mm-hmm. And just being aware of how, how are you actually looking at this right now? Like asking your, that, yourself that question, how am I thinking about this right now? Mm-hmm. And if that, if the way you're thinking about the interview that's coming up is not, it, it's creating nervous energy as opposed to the excitement, you know, what, what's a better way for me to look at this, yeah. this opportunity that's coming up? I'm just kind of self-reflecting from there. Yeah, exactly. Instead of getting caught up in the actual, the nervous sort of vortex and yeah. losing track of yourself. Exactly. Very cool. Cool. Is there anything else we should cover on this topic? I think that the biggest thing that I try to get back to with all my clients, whether it's a conversation about dating or whether it's a conversation about interviews, is that they are very uniquely valuable as a person. And that that unique set of skills or experiences is the thing that somebody's going to be looking for. It might not be right now. It might not be in a couple of weeks, but within the next probably few months, if you're putting yourself out there and continuing to interact with various people, various companies, the right thing is going to come along. So really having that trust in yourself and trust in the process can make a huge difference. Yeah, totally. Having some degree of like marketing gravity. I know that's what some people would call that where you, you're putting yourself out there in some way and maybe you have a really public profile that people, when they're, when your name comes across their desk for a job application, um, or if you could imagine like dating a celebrity, like a really well-known person, Mm -hmm. can you just simply be yourself in a way that you attract the people who who are naturally interested in who you are. And now it's exactly. not a, now it's not about, you know, being so outbound or being so heavy in terms of presenting and, and doing the direct outreach sort of, you know, I've applied, I'm gonna push my skills, I'm gonna push my experience onto this person and, you know, overwhelm them with all of my accomplishments and then get the job. Mm-hmm. versus like, yes, yeah, like I have a background here. Here's the evidence of it. And, and sometimes the evidence is so strong. You don't even have to discuss it. It's, it's out there. Other people are talking about it. People have referred you into a job or they know the person that's hiring you. And, um, yeah, like you, you end up going off of the past body of work that you've done. If it's, if it's in front of enough people that it just sort of, you know, you're, you've already kind of won half the battle of, of the interview or of the date. If the person already feels like they know who you are before they sit down with you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Another interesting approach that we can probably elaborate more on in a, in an episode, probably on personal marketing is what I'm hearing there. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, why don't we call it a day on episode one? Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us and we hope you come back for the next episode of the Career Builders Podcast. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.